Welcome to the Harmony Christian Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by today's message from Pastor Josh Shoemaker. All right. Last week, uh, I began talking to you about faith. And uh, I want to just give you a quick, uh, a brief uh, recap of that. We were talking out of John chapter 11, uh, which is the story of Lazarus being raised back from the dead. And um, talk specifically about the, the points where Jesus is with his disciples. And he tells the disciples when they find out Lazarus is sick, he tells the disciples that this sickness will not be unto death. And then you go down a little bit further in the chapter and you read where Jesus tells them plainly that Lazarus is dead. And you've got to be wondering in that moment what the disciples were thinking. Probably a lot what we think sometimes. Jesus, this wasn't the promise. The promise was is that Lazarus' sickness would not be unto death, but now you're telling me that Lazarus is dead. And I think many times we've experienced that in our life, that Jesus, the promise was that you would supply all of your needs according to your riches and glory. Yet I'm applying for another job and I've been rejected once again. Jesus, where are you? This wasn't the promise. Or Jesus, didn't your word say that by your stripes I would be made well and whole, but I'm still dealing with illness and sickness in my body? Jesus, where are you? Jesus, didn't you say that if I raise my kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, that when they're old, they will not depart from it, yet they are living in the world and they want nothing to do with you? Jesus, this wasn't the promise. Where are you? And much like the disciples, we maybe have a lot of questions because what Jesus said is not what the reality is in front of us. What do you do when he tells you Lazarus is going to live and then Lazarus dies? What do you do? You follow Jesus anyway. You follow him anyway. The next verse after he says Lazarus is dead, the disciples were concerned because because uh, where Lazarus lived in Bethany, uh, the last time Jesus was there, they tried to stone him. They tried to kill him. So they didn't want him to go back into the city of Bethany because they were afraid for his life. And Jesus says that he's going anyway. And then in the very next verse, Thomas, who gets a bad rap in scripture, right? We call him Doubting Thomas because of one moment of weakness, But Thomas is the one who speaks up. And even though he's confused because of Jesus' words, he says, if Jesus is going, I'm going with him. If he's going to die, so am I. What do you do when you don't understand where Jesus is at? What do you do when you don't understand the promise versus the reality? You follow Jesus anyways. Why? Because he has the words of eternal life. Because he is trustworthy and dependable and certain. And even when you don't understand the situation or what's coming out of his mouth, you follow him anyways because he is faithful. He is faithful. Amen? And that's where we ended last week. I don't want to pick up there uh, from that story. What do you do 
I'm sorry. What do you do when Jesus says Lazarus is going to live and then Lazarus dies? You follow Jesus anyways. So Jesus and the disciples come to Bethany. By the time they get to the city, Lazarus has been dead and in the tomb for four days. For four days. Then we pick up here now in uh, John chapter 11, verse 20. It says, now Martha, which is Lazarus's brother, Mary and Martha are Lazarus's uh, sisters. It says, now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You see, for most of us and for Mary, it's not that we don't believe that Jesus is able to do what he said. It's not that Mary didn't think or Martha didn't think that Jesus was able to heal her brother Lazarus. It's not that we think that he has the ability to intervene whether it's sickness, whether it's a lost relative, whether it's financial hardship, whether it's a, a struggling marriage, whether it's whatever it may be, it's that we don't understand why he hasn't. If I were to go around the room and ask you, is God able to intervene in your situation? Is he able to heal the body? Is he able to bring prosperity? Almost every, I about guarantee everyone in the room would say, absolutely, yes, he is able. So it's not whether or not we think he can, it's that we don't understand why he hasn't. And for Martha, that was the question. Jesus, if you would have only been here, my brother would still be breathing. It's not that she doubted his ability. It's that she was wondering, Jesus, why did you wait until he was dead? Why did you let it get this far? I know you have the ability. And here's, here's the even trickier thing about understanding this dilemma that we all find ourselves in. Not only do we believe he has the ability, but he has the desire to intervene. He doesn't want you sick. He doesn't want you struggling. That's not his will, his desire. Psalms tells us that he delights in the prosperity of his servants. He takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Then he, tells, he teaches us the model prayer. What is the model prayer? That it would be on earth. As it is in heaven. Let me tell you, in heaven, there's not sickness. There's not disease. There's not hardship. There's not tears. There's not mourning. There's not sadness. And Jesus prays that it would be like heaven on earth. So we know that it's his desire for us to be whole. So if he is able and he has the desire, then Jesus, why did you let Lazarus die? Why have you not intervened yet? And this is where Martha found herself asking this question. Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. He has the ability and the desire. And this is what Martha is feeling. 
And but but look at how Martha responds. Look at how Martha responds in verse 22. She says this in verse 22. But even now. Let's let's be a good church this morning. Let's repeat that together. Ready? But even now. But even now, I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. Even now, even though Lazarus is dead and has been for four days, even though he's in the tomb, even though everyone else has given up hope, even now you can accomplish anything that you want to. Even though, Jesus, I don't understand the situation, even now you can accomplish anything you say to. God, even though I'm struggling in my finances and I haven't found a job yet, even now you can do anything you want to. Jesus, even though my kids are long gone and they have no sign of returning to you, God, even now you can perform a miracle. Even though I've been sick in my body for years and even decades, God, even now, you can do whatever you want to do. This is how Mary responds, even though she has not yet understood. Even though she doesn't know why, the why behind it. She trusts Jesus because he is dependable and he is trustworthy. And even when I don't see it, even now, you can do whatever it is you want to do. Even now, I will follow you in the midst of the mystery. Amen? That was all the faith that Jesus needed. That was all the faith that he needed. Because after she says this, he looks at her in verse 23 and he says, your brother will rise again. Your brother will rise again. But here's what's important for us today. It's important for us to note that Martha's faith wasn't perfect. Her faith wasn't perfect. We know this because we look at verse 24 right afterwards. Jesus says, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Right? So Jesus, Jesus says, your brother's going to rise again. And Martha takes that as, yeah, we know, when everybody else rises again at the last day, right? When you make all things new once again. See, the Jews had a belief. They believed that because the world was corrupt and because the world was, was, um, was, was disfigured because of sin, that one day the Messiah was going to come and he was going to, what they would say, make all things new again. He was going to restore all things new. And they called this resurrection. That He was going to resurrect the new thing. And so she says, yes, Jesus, I understand. When, he, when you fully bring the new thing, when you resurrect the world once again, Lazarus will be raised to life. So she sees Jesus' statement as in the future. Not only that, if you skip down to verse 39, when Jesus is standing before the tomb and he tells them to roll away the stone, Martha says, but Jesus, he's been dead for four days. By now, he's going to smell bad. <laughs> He stinketh, if you want to 
use the King James vernacular. She had yet to see, even though she says, Jesus, even now she had faith enough to believe he could do it. Her faith wasn't perfect because she still didn't see what Jesus was about to do. She didn't still, she still had doubts and questions in her mind that Jesus was going to raise Lazarus from the dead then in that moment. Because Jesus, he's going to smell bad right now. I don't know if you want to roll this tomb away. Her faith wasn't perfect. And that's important for us to realize because God isn't asking for perfect faith. He's looking for even now moments of faith. Let me say this. Everybody listening really closely? Weak faith does not mean no faith. Weak faith doesn't mean no faith. Religion has taught us that if we are to receive anything from God, we must have great faith or it's not faith at all. But Jesus says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will be able to say to this mountain, be removed and it will move. I didn't have a mustard seed on hand, so I did the best I could. Chad, would you bring that picture up? I worked really hard on this graphic. That was the smallest I could make it in Canva. So uh, that's, that's, that's it. Mustard seed's even smaller. How many of you would say, I at least have that much faith? I at least have a mustard seed size or mustard seed size of faith inside of me. Weak faith does not mean no faith. In fact, Jesus says that if you have faith as small as this, you can move mountains. Listen to this. Think of this story here. Jesus encounters the centurion servant whose, was it his daughter was sick? Somebody, I think it was his daughter was sick. And he comes to Jesus, this Gentile man. He's not even of the chosen people. He comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, would you please heal my daughter? And Jesus says, yes, I'll do that. They begin, he begins walking. He says, no, 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 listen, you don't even have to go. All you have to do is speak the word and my daughter will be made well. And Jesus looks at her and he says, you have what? Great faith. You have great faith. You understand how the spiritual realm works. You have great, you're a Gentile and you are stronger in faith than most Jews. And he says, you're at this hour, your daughter will be made well. And guess what? She was because he had great faith. But we also hear another story. Jesus is coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration. He walks into the crowd to a crowd of people where his disciples are there and they're arguing with one another. And Jesus comes into the crowd and this man comes to him and he says, Jesus, my son is possessed by a demon. He often throws himself into the fire and throws himself into the water. I brought him to your disciples and they were unable to set him free. Jesus, will you set him free? Jesus looks at him and he says, you'll have whatever you believe. Do you believe I can do this? And the man looks at him. What does the man say? He says, Jesus, I believe. 
but help my unbelief. Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. He had faith, but there was weakness in it. He had faith, but it wasn't necessarily great faith. It was faith the size of a mustard seed. But guess what? He got the same he got the same reaction as the centurion servant who had great faith. His son was healed as much as a centurion's daughter was healed. The man who brought his demon-possessed son to Jesus said, I believe, but help my unbelief. He got the same result as the man Jesus said had great faith. When God Consider this as well. When God told Abraham that he was going to have a son, Sarah was in the other room and he, she overheard God tell Abraham that she was going to have a son. Now, at this point in time, Abraham and Sarah were about 70 years old. How many 70-year-olds in the room would like to have a baby right now? Hey, we got one. All right. Great faith. <laughs> Be careful what you ask for. I'm just, just saying. Do you know what Sarah's response was? She laughed. And it wasn't a laugh of joy, right? It was the same laugh that I got from my wife when I told her I wanted a new tattoo again. Ha! <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. She laughed. To top it off, when God addresses the issue and says, Sarah, why did you laugh? She goes, I didn't laugh. I don't know what you're talking about. Read it. It's, in, it's hilarious. It's in scripture. She goes, I know I did it. <laughs> God's like, yes, you did. I heard you. <laughs> no, I did it. I didn't, that wasn't a laugh. I had cleared my throat. <clears throat> What's funny about this is God ends up with the last laugh, doesn't he? Because Isaac, the son that was born to her, Isaac means son of laughter. So God gets the last laugh, right? I think it's funny too, because he promises that when they're 70, they don't have the baby for another 25 years. So God says, if you're laughing because you're going to have a baby when you're 70, I'll just make you 95, right? <laughs> then we'll see who's laughing, right? <laughs> Do you know what Hebrew says about Sarah? Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of fame of faith. The Hall of Fame of Faith. This is what it says about Sarah, if I can find it here. About Sarah in Hebrews chapter 11. It says that she judged him faithful who had made the promise. No, she didn't. She laughed when God gave the promise. She laughed when God made the promise. But listen, she had enough even now faith just the size of a mustard seed that God didn't look at her faith and say, look how small her faith is. Instead, he said, she had enough faith that could move mountains. She had little faith. She laughed at the prospect of God's promise. Not for joy, but because it was impossible. But then you get over in Hebrews and it says that she counted him faithful 
to his promise. Let me ask you this. How many miracles have we missed because we disqualified ourselves during moments of weak faith? How many things have we given up on with God because we did not think we had strong enough faith to believe for it anymore? Jesus responds to weak faith just as much as he does to great faith. The imperfect, think of this, the imperfect even now faith of Martha was enough to raise Lazarus from the dead. Don't disqualify yourself because you have questions. Don't disqualify yourself because you have a tinge of doubt. God is not some diva in heaven who is willing to perform only if you have mentally ascended high enough to not doubt. Jesus responds to mustard, size, mustard seed size faith as much as he does to great faith. Don't be afraid to ask God questions. It's not a lack of faith to ask God questions. I would actually go as far as to say that asking God questions shows that you do have genuine faith. Don't be afraid to ask God questions. John the Baptist, John the Baptist, who was the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, who Isaiah prophesied would come, that he would be the one to declare the Lord, the Savior, the Messiah, that he would be the one to declare, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Even John the Baptist had moments of weak faith. We see later on in the middle of Jesus' ministry as Jesus is performing miracles and all of these things that John has been now already been put into prison and he's in prison, and John begins to have a moment of weak faith. And so he sends his disciples to Jesus to ask him, are you really the Messiah? Or should we look for another? This is the same man who had the boldness to stand in front of everybody. And every time he saw Jesus, he, looked, he, he pointed at him and said, here is the, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The same man who declared, was the first one to declare that he was the Messiah, was also the one who had weak faith, to ask, had to ask, are you really the Messiah? Or should we, should we look for someone else? Are you really the one sent from heaven? Or did I get it wrong? Even John the Baptist had weak faith. Do you know how Jesus responds? He doesn't respond with condemnation. He doesn't respond with a guilt trip for John. John, of course I'm the Messiah. You know that. We're cousins, right? You leapt, you leapt in your mom's belly, right? We played together. You know, you know who I am. He didn't respond with guilt. What does he do? He reassures him. He says, hey, disciples of John, go ahead and go back and tell John that you see that miracles are happening, that all of the scriptures are being fulfilled, that yes, I am the Messiah. He doesn't respond with a condemnation or with condemnation or with a guilt trip. Instead, he reassures him. And then guess what else he does? He looks around at everybody else. He says, consider this man, John. He says that he is the greatest prophet that's walked the earth. 
not only does he reassure John, but then he comes in and he solidifies the importance of John and who he is. This is his response to the questions. This is how Jesus responds to imperfect faith. He doesn't condemn you. Instead, he reassures you. So let me tell you again, ask God your questions. It doesn't mean that you are or have weak faith or it doesn't mean that you are doubting God. Ask God your questions. Tell him that you're upset. Tell him that you're angry. Tell him that you're confused. Tell him you're devastated. Tell him you're frustrated. I don't believe God is put off by any of that. Especially, let me, let me say it like this. I don't believe God is put off by any of that when it's coming from a place of genuine love and faith. When the questions are genuine and when they come with, with the heart of love and gratitude, he's not put off by any of it. I think actually he's happy that you would come to him for answers. Go to God with your questions. Let me say this. Genuine faith isn't a fake smile and a heartless God is good. Have you ever met those people? Right? They don't have any money. Their house is falling apart. Their kids are crazy. Their dog died. But when you see him, how are you doing? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. No, you're not. <laughs> no, life is messy. Life is hard. Things happen that are extremely difficult. It's not always all sunshine and rainbows. Just because you begin to follow Jesus, ask the disciples when they started following Jesus, did their, did their, their natural life get more, you know, sunshine and rainbowy, right? You like that? No, it was hard. It's difficult. There's things that happen in life that are difficult. Genuine faith is a putting on a fake smile. Genuine faith. Genuine faith doesn't ignore the situations and act like everything is awesome, even when it's not. Faith says that even though things are horrible right now, I still choose to cling on to his words because he is faithful. Think of Martha. Lazarus is dead. I've been crying my eyes out for four days. I don't even, I don't even know why Jesus didn't come back and save him, even though we all know he could have. But even now, but even now, Martha didn't pretend like the situation was awesome. She didn't pretend like everything was okay. She was crying her eyes out and asking questions. But in the midst of that, she still looked at Jesus and said, even now, you can do whatever it is you want to do. Even now. That is genuine faith. Not faith that fakes it until you make it. But faith that says that even though I don't understand, even though I'm in pain, even though I'm hurting, even though, even though the promise has yet to be fulfilled and I don't understand why, even now, Jesus, I trust you. I trust you. 
even now I'm following you. Think of this. There's going to be a day when we get to heaven. And the Bible says that we will know even as we are fully known. All the questions that we have, all the the doubts that we have, all the mysteries in life, every one of them is going to be answered. Imagine how easy it's going to be in those in that day to have great faith. It'll be easy in that day to have trust because we'll be looking right into his eyes. And all of our questions will be answered. But consider this, how much greater, how much, let me say it this way, how much more precious is your faith right now? How much more precious is it to say, Jesus, I will follow you no matter what right now when we don't have the answers, when we're still in pain, when we still have questions, how much more precious What an opportunity we have to tell Jesus how much we love him right now when we don't know and don't understand. That Jesus, I don't understand, but I'm going to follow you. How much more weight does that statement have when we don't understand? That Jesus, I trust you completely. I don't have all of the answers. I don't know all the reasons why, but Jesus, I trust you. I trust you. And just like Thomas, God, wherever you go, I go. Whatever happens to me, happens to me. Because God, I trust you. And I will follow you. Even in mystery. Even in doubt. Even in questions. I say yes to you. And believing Not just saying yes to you, but yes to believing the promise no matter what. Even now. Even now, God, even though the promise is yet to be fulfilled, even now I believe the promise. Even now. Verse 25. Jesus said to her, let me let me say this. Verse 24. Martha says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, listen to this. He who believes in me, though he may die, he lives. Though he may die, he lives. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he looks at Martha and he says, Do you believe this? Imagine that. You're standing in front of your brother's grave. The one who could have healed her is standing right beside you. And he says, listen, even if we die, we live. What? That makes no sense, Jesus. He who believes in me and lives in me, shall never die. Lazarus looks pretty dead. (laughs) And then he looks at her. Picture this with me. Jesus looks into her eyes, and he says, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Look at Mary's response. 
do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God who is to come into the world. Yes, Jesus, I believe. Even though I don't get it, I don't understand it, I don't know what's going to happen next. Yes, I believe you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And whatever you choose to do, yes, I follow you. Yes, I follow you. Even though I don't get it, yes, Jesus, I believe. Even though I don't see it, Jesus, yes, my answer is yes, I believe. And here's how I want to end this message here this morning. Jesus is looking at you this morning. In your situation, in your struggles, in your difficulty, in your pain. And he's saying to you this, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he will live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And here's the question Jesus has for all of us here this morning. Do you believe? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, you are the resurrection and the life. And Father, in the midst of our questions and our doubts this morning, God, let our questions and the, our doubts not be used for, for disbelief, but instead let them be the seedbed in which our faith grows. God, that even now, even when I don't understand, even now when all my world is falling apart, God, when you look at me and ask if I believe, my answer is a resounding and sure yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, I believe you're the Christ. Yes, I believe you're the resurrection and the life. Yes, I believe every word that you've spoken will come to pass because you are faithful, you are certain, you are trustworthy, and you are true. Father, I pray for all those in the room here this morning that feel like they have faith, but it's only the size of a mustard seed. They feel like they have faith, but there's so many other questions and there's so many other doubts. Those that have had questions and doubts that are feeling guilty because of their questions and doubts, because religion has taught us that if we have questions and we have doubts, then we are doubting God himself. God, I pray that today you would come in God, and you would remove all shame and all guilt, Father, and that just as you did with John the Baptist when he had questions, that you would come in and you would reassure every person in the room here this morning. Because, Lord, your word says that even faith as small as a mustard seed can move mountains. Even Sarah's seemingly lack of faith God, you said that she had tremendous, great faith to believe that you would accomplish all that you said you would accomplish. God, for those that feel like they have weak faith, God, I'm thankful that weak faith does not mean no faith. 
And Father, that today that you would use that small amount of faith in us. That you would use that small mustard seed size of faith in us to cause the mountains to be moved in Jesus' name. Father, that we would have even now faith rise up on the inside of us. God, that even in the midst of our situation, we would have faith enough to believe that you will accomplish everything you said you would. God, that we don't have to have all of the answers. All we have to have is you. We don't have to know all of the answers. All we have to do is see your face. God, we honor you this morning. We honor you this morning. I want to end with this last verse here this morning. Just read this last verse out of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Fix your eyes on Jesus. If you have weak faith here this morning, if you feel like your faith is the size of a mustard seed, here's what I want to encourage you with this morning. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. Why? Because he's the author and the perfecter of our faith. Who is the author and the perfecter of our faith? Jesus. That he comes in and takes that little tiny bit of faith that we have and he perfects it. He proves himself over and over and over again to show you that that little bit of faith you have was worth it. And he comes in and he grows your faith because he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and stand together. Jesus, God, we fix our eyes upon you this morning. God, we fix our eyes upon you this morning. I'm reminded of a, a song from Jason Upton. It says, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. I don't know what to do. I don't have the answers. I don't even have a clue. The song goes on and says, and if I were really honest and the truth were known of me, it may sound a little funny, but this is what my prayer would be. God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Jesus, our cry this morning is this. We don't know what to do. But we know this one thing for sure. We trust you. We trust you. We trust you. We believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. We believe that you are the resurrection and life. That if even if we die, we will live. We trust you, Jesus. So we fix our eyes upon you, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And God, as we fix our eyes upon you, as we use that mustard seed of faith that's on the inside of us, God, we believe that we will see the mountain moved and that everything that you said will come to pass because your word does not return void, but accomplishes everything it set out to do. 
God, we trust you this morning in every situation we find ourselves in. And Father, we follow you. We follow you. God, we honor you this morning. We thank you, Jesus, that you are trustworthy and dependable, that you are faithful in every season of life. We honor you for that this morning, and we bless you now. God, I bless every person in this room. God, that as we go out today, Jesus, God, just because we leave this room doesn't mean we leave your presence. But, Father, that we are the sanctuary. We are the place you dwell. So, Father, wherever we go, your presence goes with us. So, Jesus, I pray that as every person leaves this room, that they would just sense the tangible presence on the inside of them, Father. God, that they would hear the Holy Spirit throughout their week this week and follow and obey every leading that you give them. God, we bless you today and we honor you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more messages like this or information about our church, please visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org.